0: Propositions 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 10, 11, and 12. We're discussing all the November ballot propositions in this week's episode of California Streaming. You're listening to the California Streaming Podcast with Bobby, Jonathan, and Louie. We're just three conservative friends trying to provide some counterbalance to and one of the most liberal states in the union. So let's hop on our magic choo-choo train to nowhere and talk some California politics. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Hey, everybody.
1: Hey. Going to burn it all down today.
2: Yeah. It's going that way. Well, we're talking about uh, the election, so.
1: It's it's going to be a uh, proposition jalapalooza extravaganza here.
2: Oh, and wait, wait a second. I think I have a little preview, too. California wants to spend some money. No, I don't buy that at all. Well, that's not our way. Well, I'm telling you, it's on the ballots. There you go. Rack up another one. Bingo. What's the first prop, John, (laughs) or Bobby?
1: Well, we have many of them. We uh, have 11 of them on the ballot this coming month, and we're going to go right right in order, starting with uh, Proposition 1. Proposition 1 is a bond, and for the first four, they're all bonds, uh, it issues four billion in bonds for housing programs and veteran home loans. Who Yum, could be against this, right? It sounds so great. So the housing program and veteran loans bond is on the ballot, and a lot of this stuff is on um, various websites. You can go take a look for it yourselves. Um, Ballotopia and uh, the state secretary of state and a whole bunch of other uh, different websites have their own. Um, spin on these kind of things so but hopefully you're listening to us for a damn good reason and here we go so proposition one a yes vote supports the measure to authorize four billion in general obligation bonds for housing related programs loans grants and projects and housing loans for veterans a no obviously rejects this can i make one comment here given Mm -hmm. that we're about to go into
2: four you said four total bonds that's right issues right so I'm going through this state voter guide, and surprisingly, I got to be honest, I was amazed that they actually had a section that they call "Overview of State Bond Debt." And I thought before <laughs> I thought before we get into these four, it would be intre- I thought it was interesting to kind of lay the very high level groundwork as to what exactly is currently out there in terms of bond issuances. I was going state. to bring oh, this, oh, up, but no, please I, go right okay. ahead. Okay, well, you'll probably do a little more detail no. than I'm about to, but. In this guide, it says the state has about eighty-three billion of general fund-supported bonds, on which it's making annual interest payments. Correct, eighty-three billion dollars. Eighty-three billion. In addition, the vote, the voters, <laughs> and the legislature have approved about thirty-nine billion of bonds that have yet to be sold. So that's just like you know on the back burner. <laughs> it's already been passed. They they can just kind of like issue those or sell them at any time. Apparently, currently, this guide estimates that the the state is paying about six billion annually from the general fund to repay the bonds. So there you go, eighty three billion total uh, currently has been sold, thirty nine on deck that has been approved to be sold and issued. So now we're well, uh, quick math, one hundred twenty two billion. Yeah. In, in easy,
1: 122.
2: So now just keep that in your minds when we talk about the numbers here in these new
1: bonds. So we've already got $122 I mean, billion. Yeah. We're not even, you know, this is part of the wall of debt that we talk about right. regularly here. Right. And that's not even counting just regular debt issuance when we don't have enough money and we need to offset the books because it's a constitutional uh, provision for California where you have to say okay well we're spending this much so we need to uh, borrow money for it so okay so proposition 1 a billion for CalVet Homes loan program which offers loans to veterans to uh, for the purchase of homes farms units in cooperative development and mobile homes 1. Po- yeah no no keep going I'm yeah 1.5 billion in multifamily housing programs which offers loans for the construction rehabilitation and preservation of rental housing for persons with incomes of 60% or below the area medium income. And then we kind of go into, um, the smaller items at about a hundred and fifty, three hundred million each. The little tack-ons. <laughs> just you know, little just like, tack-ons. <laughs> it's funny how we just say millions. What's and a they cool? Roll. What's
2: what's a cool couple hundred million amongst friends yeah, at that point, right? Or no oh, when you're spending billions, right? What's a couple hundred hundred twenty-two billion we just talked about, right? What's, wow, what's a hundred
1: million? The, the The real sad thing is, is that these things are loan programs. So we're not actually, you know, just handing over money, which. From a libertarian standpoint, would be far more effective. Right. That that's not to divert, but again, that's the whole point of like a
2: negative income tax. Forget welfare programs. Here's a check. Spend money. Right. At least it goes back into the uh, system. Right. They're, they they are they become market participants. Right. Directly at that point.
1: But continue. But by no, by. it's it's we're we're exactly we're doing a loan program in which you have to qualify, and you're incentivized into getting into this lower class so that you can qualify for these loans of which they're not really helpful at all. And then in the, in the broader sense of it all, we have to pay a huge amount of interest because California is junk bond status. So we're going to be paying for these things for the next 30 years. So yeah, the the details
2: of this one says the increased, the summary of legislative analysts estimate of net, state and local government fiscal impact. For this one it says it's going to increase state costs to repay bonds averaging about 170 million. So remember before we were talking about 6 billion currently to service the the ongoing debt. This will add 170 million to that over the next 35 years. You can't even get a th- a 30-year loan is like the max one of the max loans you can get and that's right. against a home. Right. An mm-hmm. asset. I mean trying to go get like a 30-year well they obviously can do it. They can do a 35-year apparently, or more. So
1: we're going to move on to the next one It's going to be a reoccurring theme with more bo- more bonds. Here comes number two: the use of millionaires' tax revenue for homelessness prevention. Proposition number two: a yes vote supports authorizing the state to use revenue from Proposition sixty-three of two thousand and four. <laughs> A one percent tax on income above one million dollars for mental health services, on a two billion in re, uh, revenue bonds for homelessness prevention housing for persons in need of mental health services.
0: And we're robbing a prop from fourteen years ago.
1: <laughs> well, this one was um, this one was interesting. Uh, the legislature passed a legislation, um, a spend revenue for Proposition sixty three on. On the Homelessness Prevention Housing Act of 2016, the legislature uh, did not go into effect. Oh, I'm sorry, the the bill did not go into effect because of pending litigation. So there was a tiff, and right. they wanted to know how the millionaires tax was going to be sent, or, or I'm sorry, spent, not sent. And so they're trying to allocate funds to go here, there, and everywhere. You know, not using the funds in which they were actually has to do
2: mm. does this strike a this is sounding really familiar This is ringing a bell like a like a
1: gas yeah, know, kind exactly. of tax. oh there it is <laughs> there's the bell that rang i heard it um so a yes on prop two delivers the proven solution to help the most vulnerable people uh experiencing homelessness in california's prop two builds housing and keeps mental health services in reach for people uh the key of uh alleviating homelessness complicated by mental illness. Yeah, that's a lot of baloney. It's um, the classic trap. You should not judge a governmental program
2: by that which it is attempting or the problems it's attempting to solve. Obviously, people want to solve the mental health issue. Is this, right, no, that's a great point. Is this the way to do it? That's the question that should be being asked, not, oh, they're trying to solve this problem. Great, whatever right. money they want, sure.
1: So this, again, has a wonderful title. Exactly. has a wonderful title, but there is an opposition. The opposition comes from the National Alliance of Mental Illness. And they state... Wait, but we're trying to help the mental illness. Back up a second, Bobby. (laughs) Say say that again. The National Alliance on Mental Illness. Specifically the ones from the uh, Contra Costa County. So uh, Proposition 2, which is named No Place Like Home Act, Ah,
2: that just (laughs) just
1: sounds real (laughs) nice. Thank you. Which should have been called the Bureaucratic and Developer Enrichment Act. Oh, my gosh. Because that is who we feel will most benefit at the expense of those suffering with the most severe mental illness.
2: What would you guys bet if we looked at, I don't know, a good number of the people serving back in Sacramento, some of their larger donors... Might be from construction companies that would, you know, benefit from this.
1: Uh, Interestingly enough, that could
0: be part of the SB1's
1: you know <laughs> Uh Yes, the SC, SEIU.
0: Oh, oh.
2: wow. Mm. Uh, a, a giant labor union. Very interesting
1: that they're weighing into this. Kind of,
2: uh, I mean, but typically they don't get involved in any sort of election. Financing or donations? Of course not. Okay,
1: no. The No Place Like Home Act is counterproductive because it spends billions in treatment funds that voter voter proposition sixty three dedicated to the severely mentally ill fourteen years ago. If passed, we strongly feel the No Place Like Home will cause more homelessness by forcing more mentally ill people into severe symptoms that could increase the number of living on the street. So it's basically we're taking the money away from the millionaire's tax.
0: Okay. I'm trying to wrap my head around that giant sentence. So Mm -hmm. their primary argument is that in 2004, we voted to give money to the homeless, to the mentally ill, ill. Mm -hmm. just the mentally ill or the homeless mentally ill.
1: It's strictly going for mentally ill.
0: So now we're which, robbing which, that piggy bank to give to the homeless?
1: Right. Wait. We're we're taking away from the funds for a, an actual medical program. Gotcha. And then we're saying let's spend money on this pet project over here.
0: Housing. Exactly. Gotcha.
1: A lot of these um, bond measures and a lot of these propositions have to deal with housing. This go around so it's a reoccurring theme. And it's it's not how to
0: buy a house, it's how to rent a house. Right. <laughs> Because it's impossible to buy in the state. We encourage people to rent. And then the rent goes through the roof. And the rent now goes through the roof because just like this is the argument for why school's gotten so expensive. Because you can get a FAFSA loan to subsidize it. Same thing, why rent goes through the roof because you can get government assistance to subsidize it. Yep. I. (laughs) We create the same problem. <laughs> they cause the Get problem. Get me off this
1: merry-go-round. And
0: then, they, but, and then they act like
2: they're the prophet giving you the solution. Yeah, no, I'm an elected official, and I know what you need. Even though maybe myself or someone before me created this, don't, right? don't
1: worry. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> Next one. Next one. Okay. Here comes proposition number three, and it's a doozy because we're all going to jump on it right away. The California Water Infrastructure and Watershed Conservation Bond. Break this one down. Okay. It's about water. A yes vote supports this measure to authorize 8.877 billion in general obligation bonds for water infrastructure, groundwater supplies and storage, surface water storage, and dam repairs, watershed and fishery improvements, and habitat protection and restoration.
0: That's really the one it is. The Delta smelt.
1: No question.
0: It's the environmental
1: part at the end. There you go. <laughs> ding ding ding, you won the prize. Yay. Okay. Uh yeah. So they kind of um broke it all down um where all this money's going and some of the things that they're putting in there is kind of laughable. So
0: nine billion to capture rainwater and to save the delta smelt, right? So the biggest
1: hunk of this—that's <laughs> is is that the too long didn't read version. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly where it is. That well, we're we're spending money on a, a, quite a few different pet projects here. Uh, you know, we, we got to borrow money to buy those votes. Right. No, I I get that part. Yeah, we get it. Okay, so here it comes. Uh, the largest amount of the bond revenue, $2.355 billion, would go towards conservancies and state parks to restore and protect watershed lands and nonprofits and local agencies for river parkways. So time out, just to make sure I
2: understand. Mm-hmm. So far, we spent $2.3 billion out of the eight point nine, mm-hmm. and we still haven't improved water. Uh, the water situation in terms of water shortage. No, you have to take a a a 10-second
0: shower. You can only water your lawn on Mondays between 3 and 3.10.
2: We still haven't helped that. We've already spent 2.4 of the 8.9, and that still hasn't been helped, right? Right. Okay, keep going. Okay.
0: And this is to build desal plants? Is that what you said? (laughs) No.
1: Oh, okay. No, so,
0: that's right. It's it's a big bucket to capture rainwater. That's right. Six.
1: Okay. Well, here's a, here's a bucket. Six hundred and forty million to uh, groundwater sustainability agencies to implement their plans, and five hundred million for public water system infrastructure imp- improvements to meet safe drinking water standards. What is the first part? What does the first part even mean? Okay, so
0: groundwater sustainability plan.
1: If
2: I read, come on. If I read this right, I see a breakdown in this in this guide that I'm looking at. If I read this right, under the water supply category, which seems like it has some things that talk about actually improving water access for humans, um, you know, uh, treatment, water recycling, et cetera. Okay, two point one billion, and then water facility upgrades, repairs to existing dams, canals, reservoirs, that at least indirectly supports and helps getting humans water that's 1.2 billion so i'm at 3.3 that's all i can see on this list out of
1: but, 8.9 yeah. there's 3.3 billion being spent for water for us now most there's other items in here that go to disadvantaged communities to affect their drinking water of course because Wait i don't know why. we
0: live in america in california this well this isn't flint michigan <laughs> Right. What what disenfranchised communities don't have clean water in California?
1: You have to qualify by being under the median average. Uh, <laughs> John's just shaking his head right now. <laughs> According to the U.S. Census Bureau of 51000 your, no. your city has to have a median income under $51,000.
0: That's I, the, of the which, city? In okay. which
1: case the city then gets money. Which is pretty
0: easy to do in California.
1: Yeah, everything... Everything east of the San Andreas Fault, yeah. <laughs> the old Lex Luthor plan. Everything right. under on the other side of the fault line is cheap land. So,
0: if you have a median income in your town of what fifty one thousand dollars or less, then you get subsidized for water. Is that essentially what? That's it is? essentially
1: what they're kind of going with. But they're, what they're they're not subsidizing the water; they're subsidizing the construction. Of land and reclamation of sending it back to the way nature was. So, we still haven't gotten humans <laughs> more water. <laughs> Have not. The, the water is not for humans. Now, in this bill. It's a big price tag to not be able to get humans water. In this bill, they talk about desalinization. What do they say? Okay, about now it? we're talking. Okay. Okay. Keep going. It is not a desalinization plant. Okay. A children's book. We are fixing the land because it contains too much salt and minerals (laughs) because we've been in such a severe drought that many of these wells are contaminated. (laughs) So that's why we need to spend all this money, especially the disenfranchised areas of California, so that we can fix them. This
0: one's absurd. This is more spending money, but it doesn't fix the problem. No
1: water for you. Mm -mm.
0: So the wells are contaminated with too much salt. Mm -hmm. So we've got to clean them up. Mm -hmm. Um, We're building big basins that capture rainwater. We're helping build infrastructure in poor communities.
1: These don't expand the groundwater. This is my
2: point. That would make sense. That's more water to humans.
0: Right. This just fixes it.
1: <laughs> it fixes it for the mole rats or something. I don't know what. Whatever it is for smelt.
0: us. It really comes down to the last part of the the proposition's description there about saving the
1: wildlife. Now, we're talking about in here they had some, you know, they just kind of put in their dam repairs. But we're all laughing at that Orville Dam right. up north. Right. Yeah. I mean, really they they keep putting off these deferred maintenance, especially on important projects like that, and we pay the price after. I mean, lots of people were scared for their lives, and they almost died. They literally
2: almost died. Can I can I give you guys a couple of stats fiscally that this guide has to, again, link it back to some of the things we were saying? By the I mean, time they pay off the principal and interest of this, uh, this will be a cool $17.3 billion. There you go. Put and... The end. $430 million annually over the next 40 years to service this debt. 40 years? Oh, no, yeah, why not? This, meaning this comes out to one-third of a percent of the state's current general fund budget, which... Let me, let me add that to the tab. Okay. Exactly. Is, that, is there any more? No, that's it. But think about a third of a percent. Sounds small, but again, of our whole general fund budget for what we just said doesn't really do anything. get humans water
0: no it doesn't at all it it's funny you look at all these uh environmental deals right Mm -hmm. and in doing research on some of the other environmental impact items we want to mandate solar panels but we don't realize how dirty it is to manufacture a solar panel right but that gets done somewhere else (laughs) and that's exactly the point dams dams in the in the the footprint they take up actually do a lot to damage the waterways above and below the dam and the animals above and below the dam but we don't talk about that it's just build more dams because it seems more natural and safe we're just building a big basin and capturing water but we don't want to desal because there's all these things with it and then we're made to think that you know damming is a clean form of doing whatever and then we just keep pumping billions of dollars into these infrastructure needs that we know this isn't the end of the line for the cost. Like, it's not like $9 billion and it all gets oh, fixed. Oh, no, no way. It's the same thing with Caltrans. Like, there's everybody involved has a vested interest to not finish the project.
2: Oh, you know, right. It would right. run counter to the purpose of government. Exactly. In, in, in its current form.
0: Right. Uh, as soon as all the projects get done, there's no work.
2: The last thing these people are going to do is pass legislation that eliminates their job.
1: Right. So there you go. Exactly. Don't worry about that. Incentivize me. All right. Proposition Foe. The title of this one to me is the, is the best. This is the best one of them all. The Children's Hospital Bonds Initiative. How could you say no to this when you monsters? You literally are killing people if you do, if you vote no. <laughs> You're killing children. All right, here we go. Uh a yes vote supports authorizing 1.5 billion in bonds for the construction, expansion, renovation and equipping of children's hospitals in California. A no obviously is a no. What was the cost? 1.5 billion dollars. billion for children's hospitals. That's right. Now, now, in this state, we started Medicaid for all, but for children, as it were, with many of the various programs that we have. So, obviously, it's far more expensive than we actually did the numbers on way before when we enacted this. So, many of these um, children's hospitals are clamoring for money. And many of these children's hospitals are actually... um, Owned by the state itself uh, through the uh, University of California, uh, various hospitals that they have, right, like like UCLA for example. So, seventy two percent of this bond uh, goes to seven nonprofit hospitals, providing comprehensive services to high volume, high volumes of children eligible for the governmental programs and children with special health needs eligible for California's children's services. So it goes back to the, uh, to the program that we're running there. Uh, And then only actually uh, 18% goes to the uh, universities of California's general acute hospitals. So luckily for us, it's only 18%. Uh, 10% go to public and private uh, hospitals, specializing in children's uh, welfare, if you will. So this is actually the third time in recent history that where we asked for money for the Children's Hospital because, again, we're running a huge tab for these items. So let's see here. Back in 2004, uh, we passed a $750 million bond measure. Uh, that was Proposition 61. And then back in 2008, we actually passed another... Oh, close to a billion dollars for Proposition 3. So here we are another decade later, and we're asking for $1.5 So you've noticed that we're asking for just a little bit more money this go-around. Right. And it just never seems to be enough. The programs themselves don't don't have enough money. They don't draw enough money from donations and what have you to cover their own costs. So it's up to the taxpayer to finalize and shore up the books, if you will.
0: As much as we say we don't want or don't have socialized medicine, so much of our tax money goes back into the hospital system that we do in a roundabout way, right? I mean, we're all financing this. We're talking about close to $3 billion now. What over the last decade and some change Mm -hmm. into Children's hospitals. Well, that's. These are just the bonds. That's not even that's including. Yeah, that's not even interest.
1: Well, it's anything. not yeah. the interest, but it's not even the um, the operating costs that are funded by our regular tax dollars. Right. right. It's an addition too. It's an addition. And
0: all we do is keep admitting people to the hospitals, right? And and when it comes to emergency services, there's no uh, ERs have to treat whether you have insurance or not. In fact, you're, they're not allowed to ask for. Insurance information until you're seen by a physician, just to keep it on the up and up so i I don't know the fix to it. We obviously can't afford it, and we ask hospitals to operate at a loss because we force them to take everything right and you know i I don't know the answer to that one nobody wants to vote against the
1: kids. Right. Let, me, let me let me give you the numbers behind this and that is um for the entire bond it was uh it was 1.5 billion but it will actually cost us 2.9 billion to pay off the principal which is 1.5 and 1.4 for the interest over a 35 year period coming out to about an annual average of 84 million that we got to pay on this bad boy pretty cheap compared to the other ones yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bargain <laughs> We're getting a deal on that one. All right. Um, proposition five, the property tax transfer initiative. This one's an interesting one. A yes vote supports amending proposition 13 from 1978 to allow home buyers who are aged 55 or older or severely, uh, severely disabled to transfer their tax assessment With a possible adjustment from their prior home to their new home, no matter the home, the new homeowner's market value, the new homeowner's uh, location in the state, or the buyer's number of moves. So the way Proposition 13 is right now is you can, uh, you obviously keep the value of your home when you purchased it at 1%. And, but you can transfer that value and that tax assessment to a new home within the state, if the new county that you're moving into will accept it. So if you move from, say, uh, this is currently right, right. So if you if you currently if you move from say um, Kern County into Los Angeles County, it would be in Los Angeles County that would say yay or nay on taking the new. Uh, tax, the old tax assessment in your um, in your fair market value of your home when you purchased it. This proposition eliminates that. They no longer have a say. You just get to take it. You get to take that tax assessment that gotcha. you were promised them from. It puts so it more statewide. at the, yeah state level. Yeah, it's a state level thing.
2: I don't see that being a big problem because most of the people who sell their home in this state aren't going to relocate in this state they're out of here so but nonetheless
0: either that uh or they're probably downsizing at that age sure right sure. so i i know a lot of people they're yeah. typically not upgrading to a larger home so
2: I, a condo right yeah, they had they have a three-bedroom house they exactly. want a condo
0: they're they're empty nesters now they're retired they actually sell their home maybe use that as their retirement go buy something outright that's smaller and live off the difference um I'm curious to see what the data, if it were to pass, how the data kind of unfolds on that, because, you know, as it is now, the big problem with Prop 13 is that you're paying us, you could be, because it's based on the last time your home was assessed, and assessments typically only happen when you sell the home. You could be paying a 1970s tax rate in 2018, and actually, it's not a huge problem for the homes. It's a bigger problem with commercial property because right. you could right. have had a yeah. nothing warehouse. that's now, you know, something much larger, right?
2: This one little blurb, uh, another legislative analysts, uh, estimate of the impact. They say it's going to be worth about a hundred million loss, uh, in annual property taxes that I guess that we'll they, just get a bond. Well, no, no, that's <laughs> right. That, that, that's next year. Um, but basically, I guess they look at the flow of 55-plus of selling homes, et cetera. Gotcha. $100 million, they say. I, maybe, I'm actually maybe a billion.
0: surprised with all the issues going on over the last few years. We haven't tried to raid Prop
1: 13 more. Or well, that's what bonds are for. It.
2: But it's starting to split, <laughs> right? We talked about this in a past podcast. It's starting to divert between personal residents, which I don't think anyone in Sacramento wants to touch with a 10-foot pole.
1: Right and commercial which i think that they're starting to see they've got a lot of traction. Well, personally, to i'm going to be on the other side of this argument because even when they wrote proposition 13, they they had the this provision in it beforehand where the other county would make the assessment and say yay or nay. But at some point, you know, you're going to sell the home and then you're going to carry that old value into a new home and you can see how lucrative this is to the home buyer uh, when they tr- just transfer their old tax assessment especially when it's they purchased it a long long time ago uh, I kind of figure that you buy a new home, you get a new assessment now this may have uh, affected house prices of, to what they are today, they were kind of ludicrous when you think about it, you know you buy a track home in the 60s, it was probably less than 100000 Oh, and now sure. it's a million dollars or something like that, depending on where you live. And and it's and it's all because you can carry that tax assessment. Now, if you got a new fair market value on a new home, either you're not going to sell it, which is the original intent of Proposition 13. Like they're trying to encourage you not to sell it. But if you do sell it and you downsize, you know, take the new tax and pay the new tax. But again, the people aren't ready for this new, $1 million condo. They don't want that.
2: I think for me, I don't think this will be a shocker mm. to you guys. For me, the, the the big beef is these special carve-outs. Why right. 55? Why not 50? <laughs> arbitrary number. 45, anybody? I mean, I, what are we doing here with this code, you know? Why not? Why not lower it for new home buyers? We're, we're Make it right. easy for them to get
0: into the market. Versus the person who has already enjoyed years of low property tax and it will let them keep it, but new people we're hearing every day have a real problem with even getting their foot into the housing market right That's the right. big problem yeah. we have right now. They just they're stuck renting or living at their folks' home for forever. Oh don't forget all the homeless and the homeless mm-hmm. right because you know you you buy a home even at three four hundred thousand dollars and then you're paying that one percent every year or you know divide in half twice a year and i would i i would like to see it help out those
2: getting their feet wet in the market it's just yeah with all i got the, the carve out problem all of this stuff has an impact it's not seen but all of these special situations and setups and we'll do this for this person but not that all of that old it's a marketplace so they can try and slice it and dice it however they want, but it ultimately flows into and affects housing prices, leading back to the point you just made. I, it's, just, it's just frustrating that, that they yeah. are... You, you just look at numbers and why did they draw the line there? Why this
1: group of people? Why not that group? When well, it came to their original writing of Proposition 13, I completely understand why they did it, because things were getting a little chaotic, especially since it's California. And if you wanted to just kind of constitutionally say... It's your fair market value when you purchase the home at 1%, and that's it. I would have been all for it. It would make complete sense. But as soon as you move, that new house is, is reassessed at whatever the well, value is.
0: Because it's, it's, it's the one tax that keeps on biting you every year. Yeah. right. Most taxes, you, you pay when you make a purchase, and then you're done with paying tax. You don't have to worry about the tax going up. If I bought a car today and I'm paying a sales tax rate of 9%, then, okay, fine. I paid it today. I don't have to worry about it if it goes up to 10% next year. With property tax, it just keeps going and going oh, and going go and, go and going. You never own land. You are always paying somebody for land.
1: And, I, so and what I, happens when you don't pay it? Exactly,
0: right? And then you you get leaned against and everything else. That's the classic question. Do you actually
2: own your home?
0: Right. Right. You you own the home, but you don't own the land it's on, right? And I think what's interesting is if you get, uh, not all property taxes are created equal because not all counties are created equal. So you could have somebody, you could have somebody say in one of the inland counties, Kern, something like that, they sell their home, and then they get to take that property rate with them, say, to Orange County or right. Santa Barbara. Mm-hmm. And so now Santa Barbara is going to see a decrease in the property tax on that parcel, right? And you start multiplying that. So now everybody's got all sorts of different uh, – you have all sorts of different property tax rates going all over the place. um, But you could see a softening of these more rich counties, right? I yeah. mean –
1: I don't know. Buying YOLO because the person <laughs> transferred to uh, San Francisco. Well, because
0: the person <laughs> going from say Santa Barbara to Kern County is not going to take their tax rate with them probably. Right. They'll they'll assume the new one.
1: Not if it was a recent purchase anyway. Right.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, cuz you'll just play the field. Well, where where is it lower? But if you're going from say, you know, Imperial County into LA or something like that, you're probably going to drag your rate with you. Right. What if you're selling a mobile home and purchasing a home?
2: Uh, There's probably
1: a (laughs) (laughs) carve-out. All right, proposition six, and it's a doozy. The voter approval for future gas and vehicle taxes and 2017 tax repeal. A yes vote supports the initiative repeal fuel tax increases and vehicle fees that were enacted in 2017, including the road repair and accountability act of 2017 requires voter approval for uh, ballot provisions for the California state legislature to impose increase or enact fuel taxes or increases in the future. A no obviously keeps the uh, act in place. So the gas tax, that's what we're talking about. Do we want it? Do we want it gone? Yes, we want it gone
0: i I got in a a big debate with a friend of mine on I don't Facebook, believe it a liberal friend of mine okay He posted an article I think it was from the l a Times about why we need to keep the gas tax, and then we went back and forth when you start researching the gas tax, you realize that it's actually an assault on cars mm-hmm, right exactly and he he responded with are you are you being serious you're making me laugh with that' You start looking at the fact, though, that we've come up with, uh, first of all, Jerry Brown wants to have like 1.2 million electric vehicles on the road by 2025. And then you have um, uh, the fact that most of the money is actually going to either create bike lanes or light rail, right? And bike lanes actually destruct car lanes. So it's not making life better for the motorist. No. And uh, there was a, what's his name? Phil Ting, Democrat, San Francisco. Oh, Ting. Came up with AB 1745, the Clean Cars 2040 Act. Uh, If approved, will require all new passenger vehicles sold in California to emit zero exhaust emissions by 2040. So if you think that California's plan isn't to just eliminate fossil fuels entirely, then you're either jaded or you're not. You're not actually doing research into it.
1: Here's the problem with the gas tax. And that is it's a poor tax. It's totally regressive. It's a regressive tax because who pays more in gas, you know, every single year, it's probably that person who lives more than 40 miles away from their job because they can't afford to live closer because of the housing situation. So they have to, Really put on the miles every single day. Buzzfeed had an art an article where they where they were watching a gentleman who traveled four hours every single day from the east side of California into San Francisco where he works. And it's a little it's a little nutso, but some I know some people who do something similar. And and we have to remember, at least in California
0: we're a car a car culture. And I'm one of these people where I just I've always commuted my whole life. I'm used to it. I don't yeah. mind it. No, right. Here. I, I like having the luxury of just driving, of being able to kind of live 40, 50 minutes from where I work and commute it out. Uh, so to get people to switch to train or light rail or bus, it's not something I think we're going to see in our lifetime, at least not out here. Uh, And we talked about this before the show. The real answer, if you want to, you know, uh, going back to my little debate with my friend, he goes, well, Republicans never come up with an answer to it. They just say why we shouldn't be spending on this infrastructure. And it's a use tax, which makes sense because people, you know, the more you use, the more you pay. And it went back to what (laughs) the, the actual solution to me is privatization. And nobody wants to say that part. And we talked about that before the show. There's nothing. Caltrans is designed to be inherently inefficient because the more efficient they are, the more they price themselves out. Like no part of what they do is designed to be efficient. we talk about these freeway projects that go on for years. Here's a, here's a perfect example. There's a highway in Santa Barbara County, Highway 246. Mm Mm-hmm. The spot between Buellton and Lompoc is 15 miles long. Uh, It's one way in each direction. It's a two-lane highway. It's gotten more congested over the years with commuters, and there's ranches and wineries and all these places to make a left-hand turn. Caltrans, over the summer, completed the installation of a couple turn pockets, left-hand turn pockets, so they added added a little bit of a center lane. They also added two one-mile stretches or so of passing lane on each side. I found the original PowerPoint presentation that they gave to Lompoc and Buelton. What year was that? 2009. It took them almost a decade to put in two passing lanes and a handful of probably two or three sections of like a middle
2: left lane. That's crazy. But in anything in life, when does it take? No, it's totally absurd but at least in that point, and this goes back to something you said earlier, at least in that point, it was a road project. Look, I don't have a problem uh, paying taxes on, oh, you don't. Oh. on something like this when it's, look, I'm using the roads. My car driving over the freeways, the roads, et cetera, has an impact and affects the other drivers. Obviously, in some extremely negligible way, but over time, it does. Okay, because of what I do affects others and there should be a tax imposed on me and others that use it to maintain that which we are using. That scenario I've got no problem with. But like Louis said, this tax is being imposed not to feed back into and repair and fix and affect and upgrade that which we're using, but for other things. Well, then it becomes totally absurd.
0: What What Californians don't know either is that if the gas tax continues, it's slated to go up every year without the approval of the legislature or the voter. Right. It just infinitely goes up every year.
2: Yay. And most
0: of the country pays like a dollar per gallon or, you know, we're in or dollar per like mile traveled and we're doing like four less, miles. Yeah, for
1: less it's for crazy. People. All right. Next one. Here's an easy one. <laughs> Propos- I don't know why it's on the ballot, but it is. Proposition seven: the permanent daylight savings time measure. A yes vote supports allowing the California state legislature to establish permanent year-round daylight savings time in California by a two-thirds vote, if the federal law is changed to allow for permanent daylight savings time. So, if El Trumparino. Besides so it's gonna be daylight savings time, it is.
2: That that was that's the biggest thing that blew me away on this is the fact that technically they're siding with the administration on this. <laughs> I know I'm not joking. When I read this proposition, I thought, wow, this might be the first time in two years that California has purposefully align themselves with the administration. I, I thought
1: about this one. Like, who could be uh, against this one? I'm like, I guess right. you're ceding some kind of authoritative power to the federal government if you want to go that route. A bridge is built, ladies and gentlemen.
2: Daylight go. Savings is building that bridge.
1: <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, for it, against it, I don't know. Whatever. Next one. Man, how many we got? <sighs> We're going to have to go through these a little bit quicker. Um, proposition 8. Uh, limits on dialysis uh, clinics revenue and required refunds initiative. A yes vote supports requiring dialysis co- uh, clinics to issue refunds for, to patients or patients payers for revenue above 115% on the cost of direct patient care and health care improvements. Basically, it's a price control. Right. That's what it sounds like to me. It's exactly what it is. So uh, there's a lot of opposition groups. um Coming against this thing, uh, you've probably seen a lot of these uh advertisements on the TV or your social media, what have you. Um, basically, the Californians for Kidney Dialysis Patient Protection is there's leading. an organization for everything, <laughs> there's boards and organizations, and I don't know where they come out of this thing, I don't know, but again. It's, uh, it's, a, they're in support of the initiative and guess who else is in charge of this, uh, in support of it. It's actually the SEIU, United Health Workers West. They got their hands in everything. They got their hands in everything. Uh, they call for the fair pricing for dialysis act. Um, of course, uh, let's see who's against this thing. Uh, patients and caregivers to protect dialysis patients is leading the campaign in opposition for the initiative. Uh, the California Dialysis Council, a statewide association of dialysis clinics.
2: Well, why not fair pricing and ice cream? You know, I want fair pricing on stuff I like. Where's that? Everything. Yeah. Everything. Wait, 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 wait. But hold on. Wait, Somebody told me one time about a mechanism or like a construct with which you can nope. get to a fair pricing of, of goods and services. I think it's called the
0: free market. Well, is that it? No, 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 no. no, no it can't be.
2: Louis, you're a failed experiment. You were talking earlier
1: about how we expect hospitals to operate at a net loss. And this is exactly it.
2: They're doing something down in Venezuela, though, that I, from what I hear, is working in this country. It's fantastic. So I don't know. Maybe, yeah,
1: maybe we need to look down there to to figure out this problem. Next one, we're going to speed this one up a little bit. And talking about price controls, Proposition 10, a local rent control initiative is on the ballot. Uh, A yes vote supports uh, allowing local governments to adopt rent control, repealing the Costa-Hawkins Rental Housing Act. A no, obviously, uh, keeps the Costa-Hawkins Rental Housing Act. So uh, Proposition 10 is uh, initiated state statute that would repeal that act, thus allowing local governments to adopt rent control ordinances, regulations that govern how much landlords can charge tenants, for renting apartments and houses. Proposition 10 would also state that the local government's rent control ordinance shall not abridge a fair rate of return for landlords. hmm Break that one down. We've talked to this one uh, a little bit about how the uh, free market trading. We went into uh, a little bit of Sawwell when we were talking about oh, this in the previous... Yeah. Uh, previous episode we we keep initiating these regulations and we're getting a barbell effect right it's 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 the classic trap of thinking
2: that everything that, that, that something like this would have zero secondary and tertiary effects I see a property I'm gonna limit the price on that property cool it won't go up problem solved without seeing all of the decisions that now get changed in the marketplace, people taking that property off of rent and saying, forget it, I'm going to convert this land into something else then. They're seeing that in San Francisco.
1: I think we've talked this one to death. Do you want to? I don't have anything to add.
0: This is a common problem. We keep hitting with a bunch of stuff. And I think there's also an issue of we don't, we fail to acknowledge that there's other effects. Like, all this stuff is, you know, cause and effect. It doesn't exist in a bubble. Yeah, it's not in a vacuum, you know? And to think that this doesn't have any repercussions is foolish. Next one?
1: Yeah. Oh, hey, I uh, I actually skipped uh, Proposition 9. Oh, wait, where did it go? (laughs) Thank you, Supreme Court. (laughs) That got removed. It got removed. Uh, They took away uh, Cal 3, as it were. They said... uh, You're not growing up to uh, vote on it, so forget about it. It's too hard. We're on Proposition 11. Ambulance Employees' Paid On-Call Breaks Training and Mental Health Services Initiative. A yes vote supports allowing ambulance providers to require workers to remain on-call during breaks paid at their regular rate, requiring employers to provide additional training for EMTs and paramedics and requiring employers to provide EMTs and paramedics with some paid mental health services. Yeah, always about mental health.
0: Yeah. That's this this is an interesting one. Uh, I used to work for an ambulance company that had this kind of payment structure. Mm-hmm. And it it's kind of stupid. So what they're what they're saying is that there's ambulance companies that want to take the EMTs and paramedics off the clock for their lunch break or whatever. But then when they get a call, they're expected to go to it and they want to say, well, that downtime is downtime, but you're still on call because you're still listening to the radio and have to respond should something happen. But the employer uses that as, well, if nothing happens in that time, they got to, they got away scot-free. So we'll just give you like an unpaid break. And then, If something happens, though, you got to go run the call, and then we'll pay you. So I worked for a company that did that, and they lost a lawsuit over it, actually. Um, But if you're on call, you get paid. I mean, I don't don't get this. It's just a way. It's funny. One of the biggest companies um, trying to, I always get this mixed up, this be support for it. Support would be to get them paid. To get them paid. Yeah. So
1: um you have to be on call during breaks, paid at the regular rate. Right. I agree with that. Okay. Right.
0: If you if you it's a standby job to begin with, right? You you either run calls or you don't, but you're expected to be ready to respond, you know, with a second's notice. And you can't just say, Well, you didn't get a call during that last hour, so um you're not paid. Right. Like <laughs> I
2: I don't know. Yeah, to me, I mean, that that's the understanding going in when you sign up for the job, right, that that you're gonna you're gonna eat lunch, but if during lunch yeah, somebody calls, you go. Okay.
0: Yeah, I I've had many a cold lunch. You know, uh-huh. <laughs> you got food, you came back to it three hours later because you got slammed with calls. To say that, well, we're going to put you on a non-paid status, but you still got to monitor and respond if needed.
2: That's dumb. I was going to send this down another rabbit hole, but that's okay. Send it down a rabbit hole. Well, but this goes back to a little bit of something we've we've definitely touched on this before in terms of minimum wage and other things. Do we need a prop for this though? If it's well, a contract between you, the the worker and the employer, and that's how
1: you want it, and they don't want it that way, that's okay. You don't have to. Well, here here's here's where it is, is in uh, December of 2016, uh, the Supreme Court ruled. In Augustus versus ABM Security Services, that employer required on-call rest breaks violated state labor law. According to the Supreme Court, state labor law mandates that rest breaks must be considered off-duty and uninterruptible. Correct. So that's why we need a law. Okay. To, fix, I mean, um, to yeah. change that, you know.
2: but, If that's the landscape, that's the landscape. Yeah. The industry
0: is shady. There's a million ambulance companies. They're all trying to get out of how to how to pay less. Gotta I, I agree with it.
1: Yeah. All right. That we're far? yeah, we're steaming ahead to the last one. And it's fun, fun, fun. Proposition twelve, the farm animal confinement initiative. We actually talked about yeah, this We talked one. about this one. We did. To... We did because we talked about it because it was ridiculous. And I'm kind of surprised it didn't get taken off the um, the ballot. And basically, uh, a yes vote supports banning the sale of meat and eggs from calves raised for veal, breeding pigs, and egg-laying hens confined in areas below a specific number of square feet. And I don't have those numbers with me because I thought it was kind of stupid, but I remember that the caged animals uh, for chickens was they were going to go back to one square foot of caging for chickens, but we're actually a cage-free state.
2: Right. So yeah, here it is in 2020, one square foot of floor space, but then starting in 2022 cage-free housing.
0: <laughs> with solar oh. panels and clean water?
1: <laughs> no, no. I, I think what they were really going for was the uh, veal. Uh, they wanted to expand the floor space. for I'll take veal. some. Yeah, that sounds good. I do enjoy me some veal. Yep. There you go. Parmesan. So they wanted to do that, but they had to throw in the chickens. And now you got one animal activist group against another animal activist group. And it's just kind of hilarious to see this going around. There's
0: so many activists in the state that they
2: just step on each other. Are they going to have a cage match? Anybody?
1: <laughs> Anybody? <laughs> we, need a, we need a rim shot. <laughs> All right. I am done with propositions. Extravaganza. Woo! John, good. Well done, Bobby. John, nice. what happened to our buddy James Woods?
2: That's a sad one. I wish we had some like morose kind of music right now. But <laughs> the guy got banned on Twitter. That is a boo. That's a big boo.
1: I thought this was America.
2: So, I thought this was America. So he posted something like two months ago that was, and he even stated in what he wrote, uh, I'm not sure if this is real or if this were to be real, this is a joke, something. But it was a, 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 a meme. It was like a, a fake political ad uh, about guys staying home and voting. And by doing that, they're helping the woman's vote. Um, he's banned. I, I don't know. Is there a timeline that, you know, is it like a one week and then a reset or is it a month? This is the Wild West, right? Who knows? What's crazy, they didn't delete his
0: account. It, you could see his he's accounts in- there. It's just stopped just like four days ago. Yeah, he's yeah. just suspended.
1: Yeah, but we'll be back.
0: <laughs> I be i The whole censoring is an interesting topic because it's a it's a private company.
2: No, it's it gets it's it is a, a tricky, right. it, fascinating. It's sort frustrating. Of yeah.
0: but I mean, but at least people know which way they lean. Correct. Right. Uh, information. More
1: information is always a good thing. I want to know yeah. where the line is. Can Twitter I, just please tell me where the line is? You No, it's a moving line. By design. Yeah, it's a constant it exist.
0: I mean, you figure he's got like 1.3 million air. followers. It wasn't like some little account.
1: He's well liked. Wow.
0: Did
1: well, you. So we have nothing? What no. You, we don't have a historical nothing. one?
0: No, I think we're good.
1: All right. Well, that's kind of a bummer.
0: We're, we're taking a knee for James Woods. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, people at home. Uh, New episodes every Wednesday, 8 a.m. We'll see you next week.